Notebook. I'm your host, Delano. This podcast complements my blog, Sins Notebook, at sinsnotebook.wordpress.com, where I post essays that are based on my personal Bible studies. I deal with doctrinal issues and explore topics that pertain to Christian living. I use this podcast to expand more on certain topics that I write about. Longing for, longing for heaven, home the ransom beside the Hi. The topic of this episode comes from Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. As you know, I've already written a commentary on this passage, and I've written an essay called Signs That We're Rejecting God that's also based on this uh, passage of scripture. Uh, You can go and read those on my blog at sidsnotebook.wordpress.com. So, I plan on working through Romans in this way where I'll post a commentary on a certain section of of the chapters. Uh, then I'll pick a topic from that passage to write an essay. And then later I'll do an episode on this podcast discussing either a completely different topic from the same passage or I'll expound a little more on the topic of the essay. So in this episode, I'm taking a point from the essay I wrote, Signs That We're Rejecting God, and I'm combining it with a related point I noticed in the passage as I was reading it over and preparing for this episode. I want to deal with the idea of God giving people over to their sin. Paul mentions three times in Romans chapter 1 that God gave up sinners to their unrighteous practices. We see in in verse 24, he, he writes, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Later in verse 26, he says, For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. And then in verse 28, he says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And I just want to remind you that I'm reading from the New King James Version. So, Some of the questions that come to mind when I read those particular verses are, what exactly does Paul mean by this? Uh, Does God 
purposefully cause us to sin? Or do we have a role to play in in God giving us up to sin? Does God give up on us when we constantly sin? And is there a particular context in which God decides to give us up to our vile passions, lust, and the base mind? I want to say from the outset that I believe that the scriptures teach us that there's a specific sin to which God gives us up. And that sin is idolatry. So in the essay that I wrote, I named about five different signs that show we're rejecting God in our lives. I mentioned refusing to glorify God, elevating our philosophies over God's word, indulging in sexual immorality, embracing and approving sin, and practicing idolatry. However, it seems to me that when I read this passage, that practicing idolatry is really the main act of unrighteousness that Paul is focused on and that he's charging the Jews and Gentiles with. And the other sins that I mention and that are that Paul uh, talks about in the in that passage that he mentions are just the symptoms of idolatry. When we refuse to glorify God and elevate our philosophies over him and the truth of his word, we are actually practicing idolatry. Sexual immorality is also part of idolatry because it's a matter of indulging in fleshly lust and placing that over God. And it's the point of idolatry at which God gives us up to our sin. This concept, giving man up to sin, is really seen all throughout the scriptures. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to several passages that show how God uh, reacted specifically to the children of Israel when they became immersed in idolatry. So some of the passages will be uh, a bit longer than others, so please bear with me. I want to start off by looking at Acts chapter 7. In this particular chapter, we see Stephen presenting a sermon to the to the Jews. And he is really going through their history. He's giving a survey of their history. And one of the things that he mentions in that survey is there is the time when Moses takes them out of Egypt, right? So he's focusing on the Exodus. And I'm just going to start reading from verse 37. 
He says, this is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected. And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Remphan, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So we see here Stephen talking about the incident of the golden calf. So when Moses went up to the mountain to receive the law, the people asked Aaron to build this God so that they can worship it because Moses was taking a long time to return. And so right there we're seeing this is the first incident where we see the Israelites indulging in or practicing idolatry. And in that context, he says that God gave them up to worship these this idol. It says in verse 42, then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven that's actually talking about like the the stars the moons the heavens because there's another part in Deuteronomy where uh, where Moses mentions that and he says do not lift your uh, your souls up to the host of heaven and he mentions the moon the the sun and those things so he was warning the people not to worship those things but to worship the creator of those things but my point is to show that in this in this passage it says that God gave them up to worship uh the 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 hosts of heaven or to worship an idol he also refers to the fact that they had refused to enter into the promised land, right? So the the incident of the golden calf, we read that in Exodus chapter twenty, uh, chapter thirty-two, excuse me, and we read about the refusal to enter into the promised land in Numbers chapter fourteen. Stephen is 
is accusing them or showing them their rebellion, right? But in that, we see that he is mentioning this idea of God giving them up to their sin. And when we read about this, when we read, when we see this um, idea, this concept of giving up sinners to their sin, it's always in the context of idolatry. Now we can look at Psalm 81, looking at verses 1 to 12. In this passage, we see the psalmist, first he's, he's talking about God freeing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. It says, then he established in verse 5, in Joseph as a testimony, when he went throughout the land of Egypt, where I heard a language I did not understand, I removed his shoulder from the burden, his hands were freed from the baskets. So that's them being freed from slavery. Later on in verse 7, it says, you called in trouble and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. So he is, God is answering them. He answers their cry of deliverance and he responded to them. And then he told them that he didn't want them to have any foreign gods. Verse 9 says, there, were, there shall be no foreign god among you, nor shall you worship any foreign god. He gave them his law, and they weren't supposed to worship any foreign god. But later at the end, in verses 11 and 12, he says, But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. So we see that they did not actually obey the command of God to not have foreign gods. And so God gave them over to their own stubborn heart. He gave them over to their sin. And it is, once again, in the context of idolatry. If we look at Isaiah chapter 66, verses 3 and 4, it says, He who kills a bull is as if he slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. He who offers a grain offering as if he offers swine's blood. He who burns incense as if he blesses an idol. Just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations, so will I choose their delusion and bring their fears on them. Right here, he's referring to idolatry. And the people chose their own ways. They delighted in the abomination of idolatry. And so God says, I will choose their delusion, which is the same concept of him giving them up to 
worship those things. He allows them, he delivers them to continue in their sin. If we look at Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 6 through 8, we see more of this idea. Verse 6 starts off, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Repent, turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel, or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who separates himself from me, and sets up his idols in his heart, and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So idolatry is separating yourself from God. It says, For anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who separates himself from me and sets up his idols in his heart. So you're separating yourself from God, and it's something that's in your heart. So it's not just the physical act. It's something that's within you. Your heart is separated from God, and that causes you to stumble in your sin. And so it's and so he says in verse 8 that I will cut him off from the midst of my people. That is the same idea of giving a man up to his sin. And so and in the, and in this context the sin is idolatry. Ezekiel chapter 20 verse 26 reads and i pronounce them unclean because of their ritual gifts in that they caused all their firstborn to pass through the fire when they were sacrificing they were making sacrifices that's what the ritual gifts were but their gifts the sacrifices that they were making were to idols and they had even gone to the extent where they were sacrificing their own babies they were burning them as as sacrifices to idols and so god says that they have made themselves they have made themselves unclean in, in doing that and so he does not accept uh those sacrifices because they're not actually to him they're to their uh foreign gods okay then we can go to Jeremiah chapter 2 and we see this same idea and and what we're going to see in this passage is a, is a lot of what Paul mentions in Romans chapter 1 in that passage from 18 to 32. If we start at uh, verse 5 of, of Jeremiah chapter 2 it says, Thus says the Lord, What injustice have your fathers found in me, that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? 
neither did they say, Where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness? So if we stop right there, we see God is charging them with going far from him by following other gods. So if we go, if we were to go back, like I said earlier, this is a separation when you follow after another God and you follow after an idol, that's separating yourself from God. That is what God is charging the, the children of Israel with when they practice idolatry. And it says, neither did, in verse 6, he says, neither did they say, where is the Lord? So right there, they're not retaining God in their knowledge. They're not acknowledging God. And this is what this is what Paul talks about in Romans chapter um, chapter one, that the people did not retain God in their knowledge. And what he's referring to is that there is a lack of knowledge among the people on who God is as a savior, as a as as a God who delivers um, his people. Because that's exactly what he did in in Egypt for for the children of, of, of Israel. And we see that in verse 21. So if we look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then in verse 28, which I read at the, at the beginning, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. We see he continues to talk about this. We go back to Jeremiah uh, chapter 2, looking at verse, starting at uh, verse 7. He continues to go through this idea of them having a lack of knowledge or them not acknowledging God for the things that he had done for them. Through a land of, uh, he says in, in starting at verse 6, neither did they say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land in drought, to a land through a land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. We see here that there is a lack of acknowledgement of God even after all he had done for them because they were going after idols and foreign gods and not worshiping the one true God. They were worshiping idols that had done nothing for them. What's interesting is that he also shows them how ignorant they are for worshiping 
foreign gods. If we read in verse 11 of that same chapter, Jeremiah chapter 2, he says, Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. So the nations don't forsake their gods, right? The other nations don't forsake their gods, which have done nothing for them. But his own people forsake him, the one who has always blessed them, to cling to a dead god. To cling to a god that has done nothing for them and would never be able to do anything for them. And so he says, be astonished. O heavens at this, and be horribly afraid, be very desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Even in chapter 10 of that same book of Je Jeremiah, chapter 10, verse 14, he says, Everyone is dull-hearted without knowledge. So there's a lack of knowledge. Every metalsmith is put to shame by an image, for he molded, for his molded image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. So what we see here is this idea of exchanging the truth for a lie, which is what Paul mentions in chap in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. He says, Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. In, in, in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 14, the, the metalsmith molded an image and that image was falsehood and there is no breath in those images it's a dead god because it can do nothing if we look at isaiah chapter 44 this chapter is really powerful because it also shows how ignorant the children of Israel were to go and worship foreign gods. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but if we jump down to verse 18, he says, They do not know nor understand, for he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. And no one considers in his heart, nor is their knowledge, nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. It's talking about trees. Yes, I have also baked bread on its coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? That is, shall I make it an idol? Shall I carve this wood into an idol? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside, and he cannot deliver his soul. Nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? So once again, the person who worships an idol is has a lack 
of knowledge is completely ignorant, is a fool. Because he takes a tree, he cuts down a tree, and part of that tree, the wood that comes from that tree, he uses it to burn his food, he uses it to keep warm, and then the other part of the tree, he molds it and worships it and 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 treats it as if it were a god. And so that's really it's 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 really ignorant. It's really foolish to think that you can take a piece of wood and from that wood you can use it to 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 cook your food and then part of the wood you're going to treat it as a as a god, right? And I'm going to talk a little bit about that after I finish going through these scriptures. So in Ephesians, and and once again, if we if we look back at that at, in verse 20 of, of, of Isaiah chapter 44, if we look at verse 20, it says, he feeds on ashes, and it says, and a deceived heart has turned him aside. So he's deceived himself, right? And he's 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 turned himself he's turned himself away from God. And so this is one of the points that I want to make about God giving man up to their sin is that it's not that God is purposely doing this and it's not that God is causing man to sin which is one of the questions that I propose at the be at the at, that I propose at the beginning God is not the one that is that is giving up on man is that man has given up on God when they decide to worship an idol in verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Paul says, Having their understanding darkened, lack of knowledge, being alienated from the life of God, separating themselves from God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So this is man himself giving himself over to lewdness, giving himself over to sin. This is not God giving man over to sin. So when it says that when it says in these in these in these verses that we see in Romans, God gave them up to to vile passions. God gave them up to their to their lust, to their debased mind, is because they have already gone to that point on their own. And so God is just letting them letting them go because their mind is they're based. They're 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 completely lost. They have a complete lack of knowledge, and this happens in idolatry, and we see we've seen throughout these 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 passages that this is it's almost like this is the 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 line that is crossed with God when you start to worship another God, and so He gives you up 
to do that because he sees that you're completely, you've completely rejected him. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 10 and 12 says, And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, God, God actually sending them the strong delusion is after they had already rejected the love of the truth in order to be saved. He condemns them after they took pleasure in unrighteousness or because they took pleasure in unrighteousness. So that's their punishment. The punishment is to give you up to your sin because you've already gone to that point so i want to close this episode by asking the question are we practicing idolatry and we know that idolatry we saw that in idolatry that it is it has to do with a lack of knowledge and it has to do with the heart. Where are we placing God? And where are we placing the physical things that we have? So when we think about our jobs, when we think about money, cars, houses, when we think about other people, celebrities, politicians, are we placing these people over God? Are we elevating our philosophies over God? All of that is idolatry. When we allow these things to take us away from God, when we allow these things to separate ourselves from God, that is idolatry. And we really have to examine our hearts to see if we are placing more importance on the physical aspect of life. Are we placing more importance on people, on our possessions, on our jobs, on our own intellect? Are we making those things our gods? We don't want to be in a position where God will give us up to our idolatry. We don't want to be in a position where God sees that we do not want to accept his truth. We don't want to accept him as our God. And so then he sends us a strong delusion to believe in that and to believe in the lie, right? And then we are then completely separated and alienated from God. This goes for Christians and non-Christians alike. With Christians, we see that as God's people, that's possible. We, and we see that just looking at the, the children of Israel. They were God's people and they had turned to foreign gods. 
and he gave them up to that sin. He could do the same to us if we decide that we're going to separate ourselves from him and turn to foreign gods. And obviously for non-Christians, they're in that situation already. And so there needs to be a word preached to them in order to come to God so that they're no longer alienated from him. That's all I have for this episode. Thanks for tuning in today on Sid's Notebook. Please feel free to contact me if you have any questions, comments, or feedback. Also, please let me know if you have any suggestions for topics that you'd like for me to discuss. I can be reached on Twitter and Instagram. Just search my handle at Sid's Notebook. Or you can email me at sidsnotebook at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Talk to you soon. God bless. Longing for, longing for heavenly, pitiful, humble, the ransom.